Hello and welcome to the Motor Cult Podcast Episode 3. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Eric Berger and I'm currently getting a blowjob in a windbreaker in front of an 80s Yukana box and you can't tell. Today, I'm joined as always by Ryan Sinitsky and miraculously our sound engineer, Corey. Yes, Corey. You're not dead. It's shocking. You are maimed, you are coughing up blood, but you're alive. Congratulations. Yes, Corey. We're glad to have you back. All right, after our ridiculous intro. <laughs> well, I was inspired by the great John Davis of Motor Week. John Davis does have one of the best voices in automotive news. Why, thank you. <laughs> he also has, like, the best pentameter of any person I've ever heard talking. <laughs> in the history of humans, he is up there. <laughs> we found the gear change rubbery, but positive. <laughs> Like, does he talk like that in his normal like life? Like, I sure hope so. I just really hope like he's like having a conversation with his wife, and he's like, "Yeah, honey, we I got home and we interviewed the Lee Iacocca about the new Ford Probe." <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> he was very confused as he is currently working at Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> he, he loved the over square twenty four valve all alloy V six engine developed by Mazda. He did not like the interior quality and the rubbery shift feel. <laughs> Anyway, exactly. wow, that's a hell of a digression. So can we talk briefly on Corey's uh, apparently not death? Yeah, he is mauled by wolves, I guess. Um, you, you might be able to hear drills in the background, potentially, from them reattaching Corey's severed leg. But yeah, and air compressor. He seems to, like he'll be okay, I think. Uh, emotionally scarred, but okay. Well, he was, he was already emotionally scarred. He's always been. I mean, look at him. At least he's here to um, supervise. I think they thought he was a small mammal because he's very hairy. A Somali mammal? No, a small mammal because he's very hairy. <laughs> Dude, not on the table. That's very loud. Anyway, so. <laughs> let's uh, let's start off the podcast here finally a couple <laughs> minutes into it. Um, one thing I've actually wanted to talk about since we were in the middle of episode one was why the hell do people hate minivans? People hate minivans for the same reason People who don't know anything about cars hate wagons. And manual transmissions. Exactly. They, they just they think of it as like an appliance or poverty thing. I, I, I don't know. But the thing is, it's like there are a lot of cool minivans. I think um, almost all minivans are actually cool in like some in way. in some capacity. I mean, sans mm-hmm. like, all right, I mean, even the, even the caravans. I still have the, there's a turbocharged caravan. Right, with a manual. With a manual. Uh, in the 90s, you had the caravan that shared an engine with the Dodge Stealth and by uh, by connection, the 3000 GT. So, And they had an all-wheel drive. They never put the 24-valve in the caravan. No, but they put the single cam that used all the same engine mounts. Well, I'm yeah, wondering. Can, okay. I'm wondering, though, because <laughs> they had an all-wheel drive. Oh, man. No, it's a different system, unfortunately. <sighs> but I, you might be able to... That would be sweet to make a caravan VR4. That would be super cool. <laughs> like, it couldn't possibly weigh any more than a 3,000 no, GT. because no. mm-hmm. 3,000 GTs were so heavy. That weighs as much as a small moon. Also, but, but, by the way, happy birthday, Ewan McGregor. But anyway. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm also... No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> also that's... a Star Wars nerd. But no, like seriously, minivans no are... Idea. Minivans are actually kind of cool, and well, they're they're really practical. And what I don't get is everyone when you ask them why they want to crossover, they're like, "Oh, I need room for my like one kid. I need room for grocery bags, and I like the commanding, you know, view, like how high up that you sit. commanding road view is the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard. Too. Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, it, it's actually really cool because 
a lot of car people that were into like the import community yeah. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. they have families now. There's actually a growing minivan community, uh, van culture, so culture, so the K van culture. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't go with our branding for the podcast then. Wait, 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 motor cult. Motor cult. Well, right. I, mean, I, I guess. But like it could be short for culture or it could be an actual cult, but That'd that's true. for the, the that's listener true, to determine. So it's, it's I think it's spelled with a C, but anyway, please continue. Yeah. Um, but no, the uh, the van culture community is actually really cool because they've actually been doing like these really awesome VIP builds with like, C- yeah. But you know, if you're hauling around a bunch of kids, it's to be a lot easier to justify doing a VIP build with your wife than it is to be saying I'm gonna put in super stiff coilovers and track tires. I did and see an Odyssey the, the other day, a second gen that was dumped and had massive camber and super huge wheels. And it and looked like, kind of cool. It did, but it, like, it also looked like the lady was about to die inside with the rough it was riding down <laughs> 94 in St. Paul. Like it, that thing better have a boat seat in it or a tractor seat, whatever's got the springs. But yeah, no, they. Um, they like in California, especially where that culture has kind of been growing yeah. more. Um, of course, it was California. Where else would be from? Well, it's but, illegal everywhere else, or it causes cancer. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but no, in California is where the American style has really kind of come from. I can, sure. We should actually interview the guy that started. Uh, I think his name is uh, Paul Conteco. But it, it was a kind of like an import from the Japanese van culture where. Like Dojiban or something else? Like, different than Dojiban because. Dodge vans where they just modify Dodge vans for racing on tracks, right? Um, and that was just that was a whole weird thing. But no, like the whole '70s van, like painting a wizard on the side of your van, and like that stuff, that culture, velour upholstery, yeah, like that didn't die, in which Japan. John Davis loves. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that didn't die in Japan. In Japan, they've always had like cool van builds, so. They have 40-odd years of updating and progressing the whole boogie van, street van oh, yeah, style they've, they've into had, what it is today. They've had key vans since the 60s. So. Yeah, K, well, key vans were some of the first cars in Japan. And when the American van culture mm-hmm. came over to Japan, they actually adapted that to like Toyota Hiaces and stuff like that, like sure. actual like van vans. Mm-hmm. And then that just kind of continued. And then there's like... Bosozoku vans were like they would like Bosozoku car builds would be transported like with a van. And that's the crazy style with like the huge splitters and the, the giant, pipes going yeah, everywhere. Yeah, the crazy and, pipes and everything. Sure. Yeah, and we can have a whole episode on that, but um we'll get Bimmer staying in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they're um no, they're, there's it's kind of cool to see what people can do as a minivan. At least they don't deserve the hate that they get. It's stupid. Well, I know, but I want to touch on specifically why they get the hate they do. At least, why we think they do. And I, I think what it is, is so... It's an image thing. It has to be. It, I think it is. Because, you know, back at the, the muscle car dudes and, like, yeah. when families were still regularly being transported with station wagons in the 70s. The good old days. Yeah. Like, that. a lot of people that are kind of from that Gen X era really just detest station wagons. Because that's what they think of is, like the mom car or just like the boring vehicle. Whereas today, today with us, with millennials, they, Mr. Wags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today with millennials, like we love wagons, but a lot of millennials that aren't like super into van culture mm-hmm. and like, don't have like some anthropological history <laughs> with like understanding the culture behind it. Like they think vans are stupid. And you know, it's one of those things where people say vans are lame. 
they hate cars like my Mazda 5. Because they're wrong. Yeah, well, true. But, I mean, I understand them for that because they don't understand. They, it's a culture that they've never been a part of. And once you introduce them to it, like, suddenly minivans are cool. I think, I mean, I've driven more minivans than I would, I guess, admit to having <laughs> driven in my day just because that's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, I've driven a Sienna all-wheel drive on Brainerd's short course doing <laughs> film work. Like, that was interesting because I think people hanging out the back of it. I mean... Oh, yeah, no, I did that too. At, um, for uh, the Toge California for Japan, uh, or for Japanese nostalgia car, I was driving a Sienna full of reporters on the Mulholland Highway and, like, nice. going, going around the snake while still trying to keep up with these MR2s. So they were afraid they were going to die. I was kind of afraid it was going to die. And I found out that the rear end actually breaks out before the front end does on those. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Mine that was, was terrifying. Mine was definitely pushing. Maybe it was the tires. <laughs> I don't really know. But um, I, I, just, I don't understand. I mean, beyond – I'm trying to think of any other reason how it they could be anything other than awesome other than image because they get – Kind yeah. of sedanish fuel economy that can tow as much as most like medium crossovers. They have way more interior space. They can seat more people more comfortably. They're more yeah. versatile. They're better cheaper. Visibility. Way better visibility. Even yeah. on like the really styled, like the new Odyssey, where they really start to crimp in the windows, it's still better. It's still better than most crossovers. Yeah. And like, I hate to bring up a review from the person you hate, but he recently reviewed the Odyssey and like it has a lot of like really, really important features for somebody that especially as a family, but for me I don't care about that. It's the lift, lift over height. Yep. Like getting a TV box into a minivan is easier than doing it in any other vehicle. Yeah. It's, so it's like eighteen inches off the ground. Your crossover car, yeah. you gotta like do the Macarena or something and use the momentum of your lower half to hoist your television, which won't fit into the small opening of your crossover. Yeah. And then you got to leave it at the store, and a homeless person steals it. And it that's what happens. Now you're, yeah, because you own a crossover, your TV exactly. was stolen. It's absolutely your fault. I, I think, you know, it's kind of, I find it really ironic that a lot of people buy crossovers because they don't want to be seen in a minivan. Right. But when you look at who drives a crossover, it's exclusively boring people. Like, it's, yeah. it's moms who are just done with life. Yeah, that's what and, I see in Explorers. And then, like, they just look like they're, they're sitting on a gun. Yeah, it's just every bunch of people are done with life. Uh, everybody that's ever listened to Rush Limbaugh. And, like, just the worst kind of boring people on earth. <laughs> yeah, again, this is a, an audio podcast, but I basically just smashed my face into the pop filter. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Thank I you agree. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, somebody I know, like, actually know that drives a crossover and then just sort of, like... What do I think of this person? No, it's everybody I know that drives one. Like, the coolest person I know that drives a crossover would be uh, one of my friends, this guy named Blake. And he has Oh, no. He's got a Nissan Juke. Didn't he just buy that because it was expensive? All right, so th this guy, he's kind of a ridiculous person. He graduated college with no student debt and no, and no previous history of credit. So he had to build up his credit really fast, so he bought the most expensive... Nissan Juke that he could, so he got a Nissan Juke How and Nismo the hell he with an automatic on a transmission. Juke, though, I, it's Blake. He wanted a. He, originally, he wanted a hearse, but we couldn't find him one. That would have been a good fit for him, actually. And then, yeah, that, that's the thing is that that's a Blake car, and um, so the Nissan Juke was the closest thing we could find to a hearse. Sure. 
within his price range. Okay. So okay. he ended that, up with a Nissan Juke. It was that really does follow. a weird set of like prerequisites. Very, very strange. <laughs> how it does actually, I can see the flow chart of events happening. It, it makes happening. sense. Yeah. And that's how I end up with a Juke. But wow. yeah. So, and he, he ended up with, you know, a ton of money. I think he's already paid it off, but he's just a weird guy. Yeah, I know. I've met Blake several times. He is a weird <laughs> dude. Uh, uh, but no, I, minivans, I, I don't think I would personally buy one just because I prefer wagons and I don't really have anything in my life that's big enough to require a larger vehicle than a wagon. But yeah. I mean, if I ever needed something Mine bigger than a wagon. Mine was utilitarian because I was hauling tents around and stuff back when I was working for a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it's constantly completely full of shit. Yeah, I haul a lot of stuff all the time. I don't want to own it's a pickup Moore's truck. It's Moore's Law. Yes. That stipulates if you have more space, you will find a way to fill it. Correct, yes. If less <laughs> space, it's just going to be the same amount of full. So you may as well just have a ton of space. Yep, but exactly. Anyway, minivans are good. I don't care what any of you say. Yes. Um, let's, oh my God. let's segue with a UE. Yes. Over into a completely different topic, which we both kind of came up with independently, but Ryan wrote it down. Um, this is the topic of weld-in type coilovers. And how stupid that design is. Well, most cars these days, if you get something from the 90s and you're modifying it, it's got McPherson strut. All four corners, nice and easy. You go on eBay or whatever, you buy a set of coilovers, you unbolt the two lower knuckle bolts, you unbolt the top done. mount, and you're done. Unless mm. you own a Chevy Lumina. Oh, well... But no, not, nobody should own a Chevy Nobody, Lumina. no. That is, that is w a, platforms are bad. Yes, the W body is a horrible platform, top to bottom. I can't think of a single W body that I don't vehemently hate. Um, no, so the reason I brought this up is now that is we spoke about on my uh, on our previous episode, yes. I got the engine sorted out on my Cressida. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can start thinking about you know making it look a little bit better. I've got a set of perfect factory wheels. I think I'm going to keep those on for a little bit just sure. to make it look the like car's in good shape so yeah, car's perfect i mean why not um but it's gonna lower it a little bit mm-hmm. and so usually when i lower something you take I'll... out the blowtorch and start melting coils <laughs> yeah <apparently>, god no <laughs> don't do that no absolutely uh, <laughs> do not do that uh, no. something called spring rates and they do matter yes they do no, uh, with the the weldon style coilover which i discovered was on my mx83 after i bought it uh, I should have done two seconds of research to figure that out. Um, it basically means that I have to make sure the coilover that I buy is of the absolute highest quality. Because if it's anything less than like a $2,000 set of coilovers, so, like, I'm screwed if I don't like them. I also have a car with welding coilovers I'll talk about. Uh, is the, the knuckle on yours where you cut it off, is it steel or is it cast iron? I believe that's steel. Yeah. Well, thank God you have steel. Why? Must be nice. Why? Steel's easy to weld other steel to. Uh, Do you have one with cast iron? Yeah. E30s are cast iron knuckles. What? Yeah. Mm hmm. Eh, Jesus, terrible. Mm hmm. Because if you want coilovers in an E30, unless you do the shitty Honda style where you like take out the spring and you put the perch on top of the existing strut and you put the adjuster in with a really terrible spring. Yeah. Like, the ground controls on E30s are like that. You have to cut That's off. how every ground control coilover is, and it works on some cars. It but... does, but not on E30s. They ride like garbage. Yeah. But, yeah, you have to cut off the steel tube and then get this two-inch steel thingy, like, welded into this cast iron. But, I mean, you have to preheat the cast iron to get the metal penetration correct. 
Just cast iron welding. It's and, not. And, and then the the thing is, is you can't like you can't chintz on that because this is like no, we're talking it's about a safety like, item. If that's that fails, actually a, you're dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'd have to double check because I think mine's steel, but I haven't like looked into it that much. It probably I, is. Pro- probably with my luck, I will end up being cast iron potted aluminum. Actually, oh, no. it'll be the worst possible like welding surface wood. Well, luckily, you got JB well done. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I will say <laughs> E30s are like that with the cast iron, but the E30 M3 is a completely different front suspension. So with it, a bolt-in upright. The way it should have been from the start. Correct. So get, why don't they just make uh, E30 M3 um, like two E30 style knuckles? Can't. It would be really smart. The geometry is better. The bump steer is gone. All that stuff. But like all the components are obviously only made for the BMW E30 M3. So companies either haven't yeah, thought that, of it. That's or a it's too that's, that's a car that already has an aftermarket though. Right. Um, it would require a set of control arms that are different, and the knuckle and probably tie rod ends. But it wouldn't be that bad. I but, mean, there are companies doing way more than that for angle kits on uh, drift yeah, E30s. No, like it, well, yeah. As I say, like. With my Cressida, like it's just like an expected thing. Like, oh yeah, you can just replace every single control arm. I don't know, and, I, and if you did that, it would require you to swap to five lug, because the mm. knuckles kind of tied to that. But I mean, most yeah. people want to do that anyway, because yeah, it allows you to have a bigger brake, brakes. Options yeah, and, and wheel, wheel options, options mainly. Yeah, those are, that, those are two really huge things. Because I mean, this greatest four by one hundred. It's four one hundred by one hundred. Yeah, yep. this greatest four by one hundred is. I mean, five by one twenty is where it's at. Yeah, for anything really larger than like a 16 inch wheel, I'd want to go 5x120 just because of your different wheel options that you have available for that. Because most of the 4x100 wheels that are larger than that, plus you have the actual like distance of the lugs, I imagine might have something to do, might actually affect like the rigidity of the wheel. Maybe. Because I'm, I'm really if, not if a you wheel have, If you have a bunch of like bolts that are all really close together, you have right. way more resistance yeah, than a little piece of. For sure. So. But that's just me. That's just conjecture because I have no idea what I'm talking about with that. This whole podcast is conjecture. It's that's fine. That's true. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Um, but man, I didn't know your Cressida was a weld-in style coil. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like I, I knew that and I just forgotten about it when I bought the car. Because <laughs> it's one a of those lot things, of things you just sweep under the rug and try to forget about. Like I, it's just one of those things. Like, who needs that knowledge? Like, and um, I'm the king of useless knowledge. But that's well, like, so, mm, I don't know. That is. Between you and me, yeah. we could basically... This podcast it. is the king, <laughs> if it could be stipulated as that of useless knowledge. That is very true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a great car. It's just that, that that's the one thing that's really annoying about it. And it's not just mine. Like, every Cressida was like that. So, like... Great. 60, X60, 70, 80, 50, all of them. All the X-series Cressidas. I think Funny the X100 was finally the way, like, God intended where it bolts together. Like it's supposed to, but it took a long time. So the knuckle on your car, does it have like a separate piece that connects to the tie rod and the controller or the ball joint? Or no, is it's, it it's the whole the whole thing. thing. So it's just like an E30. Great. Yeah. It so must have been the same group of really weird, like us basically like 40 years ago sitting around in like a design table and we're coming yeah. up with suspensions. We're like, you know what would be a great idea? There's if we no just plate. did this. <laughs> right. Like how about we just make this all one piece that's really, really hard to work with. You know, it, it's, it, it's, that's where uh, nobody tells the engineer to stop. Stop designing or. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Corey's fidgeting while they're reattaching his leg right now. If you can, if that's getting picked up. It's very disturbing to watch. It is. It's horrible. He's bleeding all over my floor, too. Blood all over the floor is a nightmare. And I don't know. 
he oh, oh god, he fell over. Dude, throw your culvers bag in the floor to sop up some of that blood. Get away! Get away! <laughs> All right. Anyway, oh my word. So there's there's something I want to talk about here because okay. the E30s those came with a three liter straight six. No, the biggest we got factory is a two five. Well, two, two, seven, two but seven. The most powerful we got was a was that five. just for the American market or? Um, well, I mean the American market we got one point eight liter four cylinders, two point seven liter low rev like diesel power delivery efficiency yeah. six cylinders, and two point five higher. Well, I guess I guess my, my my question is, because well, in Europe they have displacement based taxes on oh cars. that's why yeah every... that's why they got 1.6 liter carbies and stuff oh, okay. like that and we so, didn't yeah. yeah so we got the big boys i don't want to talk about that because i'm actually i'm kind of a fan of those yeah i could okay well i mean you're a fan of them or you're a fan of and you want them here you know a part of me would like a displacement based tax system in america because but 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 there's also another uh, part of me that's vehemently against as that. As long as it's for stuff newer than 20 years old, I'm okay with no, it. <laughs> no, for new cars. Only for new cars. Okay, because yeah. cause that, that, then you end you up... You may as well. Yeah. I mean, could, manufacturers are designing around that anyway. Yeah, but I mean, like, look what it's done for all the other manufacturers of the world. Like like Volvo, which makes one engine now, and it's a two-liter. Really? They do? Yeah. Oh, it's weird. either low-pressure turbo two-liter, high-pressure turbo two-liter, high-pressure turbo with supercharger two-liter, cool. or high-pressure... Supercharger, turbocharger with supercharger and plug-in hybrid motor. <laughs> That's the T8. The T6 is turbo and super, and like the lower ones are just various. Do they ha- do they have different cylinder counts? No, it's all the same. Oh, two liter four cylinder. Mm-hmm. But no, I was thinking like more like because in Japan they have the K classification, mm-hmm. where we have these cars with a maximum of 660 cc engines. Yeah, and uh, they were making like insane amounts of. Of power out. Yeah, because you could put a blower on them, make them rev to like 15,000 RPM. Yeah, and they they were doing all... Well, the thing was, they, they limited the displacement, and they limited the horsepower, but they did not limit anything else. They did not limit torque, how it was put down, where it was put down. So you could just have a flat power delivery at the limit, basically. That's basically horsepower, what then, they do. Yeah. yeah, so like you can get like this. And they probably just say that it's that way, and they actually make more power, too. No, and that's exactly what Suzuki did. Like, they had the F6A and the K6A engines, mm-hmm. where, yes, they did make the government mandated 600 or 67 horsepower out of 660 cc's which yes would be also 100 horsepower per liter um mm-hmm. which but, is good which is great because everybody should do that they were <laughs> over square blocks mm-hmm. so they would rev of like course crazy. they were they're tiny well not necessarily and not all of them i are. know you could do an under square 660 but why would you i don't know what people have done it there have been a number of really shitty k cars that are like that but no, they. Uh, it was it was a uh, over square block, and like it, what you would do basically make it go faster is on the ECU there was a cable that said speed governor and cut that cable, and you could suddenly go from eighty miles an hour as a top speed to one hundred and twenty. Nice. And then you can, if you do just like an intake and a turbo back exhaust, yeah, you can clear well over a hundred horsepower. These are forced induction, I presume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. On the, the K6A and F6A were turbocharged, but they also had... What were those in? Uh, Suzuki Cappuccinos. Oh, I want a Cappuccino so yes, bad. Yes, the Cappuccino, the Mazda AutoZam AZ1, which was that weird one with the uh, rolling doors. Yeah. yeah, they did a review on that. And then they also did the um, Suzuki Alto. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was just like a four-wheel drive hot hatch. Yeah. It was sure. a four-wheel drive hot hatch. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Well, it, most of them are four-wheel drive. Yeah. There's, there's weather in Japan. Yeah. Like, that's actually really... Well, no, most of them are front-wheel, but they do have a number of four-wheel. It's just, it's really cool. But, hmm. 
you know, also with that, like, it's not just Japan. I mean, if you look at, like, Ferrari, like, they had, like, some of their best engines were, like, 2-liter V12s. Well, there weren't is, two. Well, they, they had a 2-liter V12. I think they had a 2.5. I think that's as small as the Columbo the, one, the 155 was 2-liter. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the pistons were probably, like, the size There's of the size shock of your glasses. thumb, yeah, yeah. Like, they're just awesome. Oh, yeah. that would have... It's like those miniature engines you see on YouTube. Like, yes. I want one of those That'd so be bad. That's so cool. Well, I, don't I, have a I, just, use I think case that's for it, super, super cool. Expensive. And they run crazy mm-hmm. smooth. I think that I would love to see, like, an American, like, three liter V8 that revs, like, cross plane, revs to the moon. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, like it is, grand. yeah, and it's there because of a tax over three liters or something. Yeah. How, and you know Americans love their V8s. So. Yeah, exactly. And that would just make our cars so much better. It would make them cooler. I Wait. don't know if it would necessarily make them better. It would be cooler, yes. Because, now, this is not the other half of this. Is I also like very few cylinders and massive displacements. That I don't like as much. Because that just makes me think of like a piece of Caterpillar equipment you know, thumping around. No, I'm thinking. Quarry. I'm thinking like the Porsche 968 three liter four cylinder, or um, that actually is a really cool engine. Yeah, those are cool. Or the um, oh Fiat back prior to World War II, I think it was called the Fiat S76. Is that it's a like, 30 liter four cylinder? It's like a 32.4 liter four cylinder, and it, like, it idled at like two RPM. Can you or something? imagine trying to hand start one of those? Like, you what would, would happen? You would literally hand start them. But it was it was a gear reduction. What if thing. it backfired? Oh, it'd take off your whole upper torso. Like it just it would destroy you, it'd cut you in half, it'd look like Darth Maul. V five full exactly. It just it, it was an insane it, things like that I just find really cool. Cause it's like I agree, but pre war stuff I just I glaze over. I've got all right, I have this like thing where it's like any engine Is this gonna be a pattern now? Because last episode you were talking about like Duesenbergs. It might be. Oh. I might bring up one pre-war thing. I'm I've not going to go on I've a tangent. I've got this mixer in front of me that has a level knob for <laughs> you just your just turned mic- me off for a while. Yeah, I like that. Oh, okay. It works. <laughs> Listen. Wow, that's cool. I like this control. This is cool. But I, just, I, I realized that I have any engine between 2.6 and 8 liters I care even less about. Okay. Like, it's just consistently, the, the further you get away from tiny or huge, I just don't care about it. Eight liters is a hell of an upper, <laughs> an upper cap. Well, I, have I to think l- like seven point one or something would be my like limit. Yeah, of I guess. I, I, th- I think it's more like a, like a parabola. Is I like those one point eight <laughs> liter V sixes and the MX threes, and I like yeah, the, I love that. That's I like really the cool. Six hundred cubic inch billet aluminum like big block Chevys that they make that the, make like see, three thousand like, horsepower. It's like a bell curve though, where I have like, or like not bell curve, but parabola. I think that I should. Yeah, it's, I think it's an inverse bell yeah. curve, right? Yeah, an inverse bell curve, where I the more I care about it, is the more ridiculous it is. Because oh for a V8, like 5.7 liters is, yeah, that's what you expect out of a V8. But I bet in other cultures, the 5.7 liter V8 is like a, whoa, that's I'm cool. sure. I'm sure if I grew up in Japan, I'd be like, oh, 5.7, that's oh, so huge. many liters. How many horsepower? 190. Perfect. <laughs> what? <laughs> you did what? Although they're familiar with that. They got the 360 doji bonds, and that's basically, I think, a 5.8 liter. Something like that. Oh yes, five those nine, ones. Yeah, I'm sure they, that, yeah. Well, they probably uncorked them because Japan like doesn't have true like emissions laws for whatever yeah. reason. It seems really weird that they wouldn't. But oh they, man, I just thought don't. of something that isn't in the notes. I want to talk about too hmm. after this. Well, no, it has to be after this. It's not really related. All I right. want to talk about the uh, Caprice PPB. 
Oh, yes. That, but that, I don't want to cut this topic short because I like this it's a, it's a, dis- displacement. It's, it's, a, it's a great topic. But yeah, no, the Caprice PPV is awesome. Because it'll come with a 6 liter, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's like an L, LN7 or something. It's not so, called an LS2, so, but so it this basically is, is. This is why, to me, it's like a bell curve. That, that's oh, them our, putting our Corey's neighbors leg. are definitely yeah they're well they're putting on Corey's be- leg for him so. well yeah he came over he's helping him yeah he, yeah he's helping Corey it's basically Doc Brown him. yes using rusty farm implements to reattach human limbs he, the neighbor here does look identical to Doc Brown yeah <laughs> during the intermission we were visited by the neighbor here yes. and he is very interesting <laughs> I kind of wanted to invite him upstairs for the he podcast. is a, a mad scientist I thought for I thought sure that too. but I don't have a third microphone here yet so <laughs> that kind of went by the wayside but so this is what I'm talking about like, where it's a bell curve because like it well is. the Caprice PPV is a really cool car it is it's a boring engine very yeah, boring. It is, but it's cool that it's in that car. If that was a 2.7 liter V8 in there, that'd be so much cooler. With a blower on it. Well, if it's a 2.7 liter V8 that made the same amount of power, that'd be insane. I'd be shooting my pants over that car right now. It'd be so cool. I've not pooed my pants. Okay, yet. good. I was gonna say I've got the fancy <laughs> Japanese butt washy toilet here, but yeah, I did fa- find out that your um, toilet in here actually wipes your butt for you. It does. With water. It's it does. Insane. I have, have not had the the metaphorical balls to use it. <laughs> Just because I'm not sure if I can handle it, or if I could handle it, if I'd be ruined for all other toilets. <laughs> and then everything you own is like most... I think, exactly. Like bidets or something? Is that what I they're called? Uh, bidets know. are the standalone pieces. Anyway, wow, yeah. that's a hell of a digression. Yeah, but um, anyway... Um, so, okay, other than like the 50s... No, sorry, okay, 60s Ferrari, Colombo, super tiny V12s, the Mazda MX-3, what other like interesting cylinder count, low displacement engines did we get here? Well, I mean, BMW made that three liter could, four cam V8 for a while. I, I could get really weird and go into pre-war and get you some goofy. Not goofy pre-war. Things. I want a modern engine. A modern engine. That's relatively, it can be like fifties and up. Relatively modern. Well, I mean, I guess I, you know, a whole Mazda like V6 is actually I, really. Cool, I know. I already brought that up. I, I know. I, well, I'm just saying because that like that came in like a ton of displacements and stuff, and they were all right. like over square and just like. But the crazy displacement overfilled. we like is the smallest one. Yes, precisely. One point eight. Um, God, I mean, there has to be some, like, little time. Oh, um, the Suzuki um, Swift, the Geo Metro that we oh, had. Oh, yeah, the one three with, like, the they had a, they had the, or whatever? The GTI, which had a dual-overhead cam yep. cylinder head. It was a 1.3 liter, made yep. 110 horsepower. Yeah. And it was just, that was super cool. So, yeah, I the, mean, that's not super tiny, but The engine's American very standards. closely related to the Hayabusa. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's actually really very, cool. Very, very closely related. And then, um... <laughs> You know, we did not get the highest trim level, but the Subaru 360. Uh, that two-cylinder. I had one of those. Yes, you did have a Subaru 360 for five minutes. I did. Those were actually the first Japanese cars to make I 100. scrapped it. They're the first uh, Japanese car to make 100 horsepower per liter. No, it's a Chinese washing machine. <laughs> it might very well have, but, I mean, it was still not many horsepower. Well, no, no, not yours. Not yours. It's like 16 horsepower or something. But, no, the... Mine was zero. Yeah, well, no, yours was zero, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, young SS had like just like crazy overbuilt internals on it, like twin carbs, and sure. it made like 36 horsepower, Holy which hell. that's a lot. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that's it's like much. two standard lawnmower engines of displacement, basically. But and it's, it's also it's a 800 pound car. It, well, without people in it, yeah. The car's 800 pounds, so that was fast enough to bring the car up to like 80 miles an hour, which again doesn't sound that 
like that big of a deal. That's but this terrifying. In a super this literally has like Vespa tires on and, it, and like front and <laughs> rear swing axles. Like yes. this thing wasn't. That's the sort of car. Like that's like sketch at like thirty, much less at seventy. <laughs> yeah. So, I, there are much more modern, much larger, better built vehicles that yes. I don't think I want to do 80 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. It's like just like weird displacements are super cool. But it's it's a lot easier to find a car with few cylinders and huge displacements. I just don't care about that. You don't? Really? Mm-hmm. Like the Starions, so like the 2.7 liter four cylinders or I something? I don't really care. I just think of like the 2.5 Altimas. I'm like, I just don't really care. It's, it's not a good engine. No, I know. Those are very, very I know, but that's engines. what I think of. I also think of like Cummins 4BT, which is cool because that's four liters or something. It's a liter a cylinder. That's I did not know it was a four cylinder. That's cool. A 4BT. The, yeah, but that see that's cool. Yeah. I, oh, so that's what the four means? Yeah, six. Wait, six I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a Cummins. It's the same cylinder. engine that just lopped off two cylinders and then they made the cylinder head of like cylinder head out of like really garbage material or something. Is the six BT is basically unbreakable and the four BT is like good on stock power, but if you touch it. <laughs> just it'll blow up it, it was built to a price but still it's 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 a cool engine because of the fact that it has high displacement per cylinder but yeah i think well, um, let's talk about train locomotives then you talk about like uh those are awesome engines like, like a, a 32 a v32 with like two stroke a, diesel and yeah, then measure it like the numbers on them they're like 360 i'm like oh what does that mean I'm like that's the number of cubic inches per cylinder yeah it's just insane like, wait what like, 360, what is that? That's the number of gallons the engine is. I always wanted to measure engines <laughs> in gallons. I think we should. It sounds a lot more epic. Oh, but the numbers would be so small. Yeah, but if... How about, like... Yeah, but the thing is, courts? like, if you hear... It, <laughs> yeah, but if you hear, like, oh, my uh, my engine's a... My V8's a 5.7 liter. Like, right. that sounds cool. But, I mean, it like, does. you say it's, like, it's a 1.4 gallon V8. Right. You're like, Whoa. Oh, I gotta do some math real that, quick that, to figure out how That sounds cool you really are. big. That's pretty cool. Or, uh, that's what she said. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that, that's just really cool, man. I oh. remind you once again, I am in a windbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's uh, let's kind of move on to the next thing because it was actually this is a very depressing story that I read. Um, just well, be just because. Yeah, everybody should understand. So let me, let me guess before you even start. Is it going to be related to French cars? No. Uh, Russian cars? Also no. Japanese cars? Japanese driver. Uh, Japanese street racing team. Oh. Um, Croatian car? Close. Do you want me to just tell you? No. The car has an expletive in the name. Lamborghini. Yeah, exactly. Is it a Countach? Yes, it is a Countach. <laughs> That's all you knew. <laughs> um, no, the uh, nice. Midnight Club. Uh, the, not the, the game? Not the game. The street racing team in which the game was named after. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, so it was the street racing team back in like the late 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. Okay. And they were known for being the fastest street racing team in Japan. And okay. They were pretty insanely fast. They were running like 200 miles an hour on like the Wangan, which is like the outer ring road around Tokyo. So it's like our 494, 694. Yeah, like that, okay. but going like 200 miles an hour on that. I like, don't think I'd want to go 200 miles an hour on 494. Or no, and they're, and they're doing that in like just like insane cars, like um, like a Countach or like every Porsche in Japan. I'm pretty sure was in that team. Well, those aren't that surprising. Yeah, I mean, those, those cars could. But then they had like ridiculous things. Like they had. Uh, 280ZX was actually the fastest okay. car in the team. 
like the fastest with an L twenty eight or something. Yeah, it was an L twenty eight. It was a super well built like six hundred horsepower L twenty eight. Motor was a turbo. It was turbo. Yeah. Okay. It was turbo and uh, it was on like electronic fuel injection. Nice. In like nineteen eighty eight. Oh, dude, the uh, this dude like made this this electronic fuel injection. Does he got EFI in seventy two? Um, no, it didn't. Really? It got mechanical fuel injection. Bosch K Jetronic. Okay, what year did D Jet come into those then? That was in the Z thirty two. No way. No, no, the the electronic. My yeah, my boss's replica, the two fifty GTO replica, is based on. Oh no no I'm sorry no the Z thirty one the Z thirty one had it. Really? So it's yes. got a Z thirty one injection system. On no, it. I think the guy just made it himself. No, it's definitely a factory Nissan injection system. No, no, no. I was talking about the ABR Hosoke yeah, in Midnight I'm, Club. And then I expanded on, like, what year did the 240Z get optional EFI? Well, the 240 never did, because oh, the 240 God. was... What about the 280, then? It wasn't the 280. It was the 300. That was still a... No, the 300s were all V6s. Yeah. That's this this it, is a straight-six Nissan overhead valve engine with factory fuel injection. That did not have factory fuel injection. It, it mechanical. Does. No, it has factory Bosch D-Jet. I'm 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 confident. I will send you photos. Of that. I won't waste people's time on this, but right. it, it has a factory Nissan fuel injection. But anyway, system. so okay. the ABR Hisoke, that that's the name of the company that sponsored the car. Um, Speaking that, of that, that uh, that two eighty ZX was like it was just insane. But anyway, uh, in this team, there's this Countach, and all these cars are very. Very, they're one-off cars and they're all legendary cars. But mm -hmm. the uh, Midnight Club Countach was at a track day oh, sweet. in Japan, which is cool that it still exists and is being taken on racetracks. For sure. Um, however, uh, Speed Hunters was there and they're taking pictures of it. And the guy tried to get a little overconfident, as you know, with Countaches and how terrible they are as actually being vehicles, not just looking at them. Uh, the, the suspension, Did the air conditioning fail? It, it fails from the factory. Of course it was failed. But, like, did that... <laughs> was that the problem? The no, he... Um, the suspension geometry is absolute garbage on those. And so he hit a bump on the road and flung the car across the track and into a wall and shredded off the whole left rear corner. Um, I guess they, they took off all the Midnight Club stickers. I'm not sure... Because, like, the team's been defunct. But I guess, like, by taking the stickers off, it's, like, kicking them off the team or something. It's oh. some They're really weird and ritualistic. So maybe you shouldn't Club. crash your Countach. No, of course not. Okay. It's Countach. Yeah, you, like should, you should never drive them either. You should just look at them. Exactly. Because th that's not a driver's car. That's a work of art. They, I think companies that make blocks of hard cheese should sell them in Countach shape. I would absolutely buy a block of Gouda... That looks like a Countach. Yeah, like a, a nice Gruyere or something. I would Countach buy a block of Gouda regardless, but especially if it looked like and a Countach. Maybe like the wax covered cheese, make a Mira or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be really cool. That'd be, you know what? That's I think Lamborghini needs to get on this. Yes, they do need to get on. And that is a new company name for a cheese manufacturer. Lamborghini, Lamborghini cheese, <laughs> not Lamborghini. <laughs> no, Lamborghini. <laughs> Y'all wanted them Lamborghinis. But yeah, no, those. Uh, I mean, the Lamborghini, like, Countach, like, it was just a notoriously bad car, but, I mean... No, it was a notoriously it, fabulous car. It was, no, it was, it was bad, but that's, that, that was the thing. It was, it was terrible, but it was so beautiful that you got, you got over it, and you just, you go and say, yes, that is amazing. It's so it's like Blubsky. Yes, exactly, well, yeah. The car is yeah. so terrible, it's good. Well, you know, I guess also Countach is the only car to hold the world's fastest car record twice 
in which it got it and then it beat itself after they, they put, like released a higher output version or something yeah they or? put fuel injection and it had, oh, yeah. like it went like 175 then it went like 183 <laughs> or something just like yeah well sinking six carburetors is actually pretty difficult so that's not surprising yeah i know right it was and probably I'm, like burning a cylinder out while it was doing the first yeah I'm, I'm sure it was because it was also probably tuned while they were drunk because <laughs> that's it's just, Italian, yeah. And this Lamborghini, which I and prior to Audi's ownership was not. I don't think they were an actual company. Well, remember Chrysler owned them in the early nineties. Okay, case in point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where I got the three hundred ZX, the Z thirty two headlights. Well, <laughs> so there, there's a gentleman in Minneapolis here who owns one. His name's Awesome. He's uh, and he was showing me around his, and he was pointing out was the, it a later one or yeah, it was a later one. He's pointing out the fasteners on the door sill. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Phillips said, Phillips said, Phillips said, flathead, Phillips said. So it's a BMW. Okay. And he, I'm like, what's with the flathead? He goes, literally, they ran out of screws when they were putting it on. They stopped production, went to the hardware store, and got the only machine screw that was the same size that happened to be a flathead. And I'm like, what? And he goes, that's literally okay, a that's, real story. That's a little different because BMW, they know ahead of time how many fasteners it's going to take and where they're going to no, be. No, see, that, that's not But how they have different works. teams place them in CAD. So one of them's going to be a Torx T27, one's going to be a Torx <laughs> T30, one will be a Phillips, and one of them will be a plastic two-piece push clip. So in order to take off your door sill plastic, you need four or five different tools. German engineering. That's how they keep people coming to dealers. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, that's really depressing. I yeah, so hope that nobody luckily, else ever crashes their Countach ever no, again. No, they shouldn't. Luckily, the owner is expected to rebuild it. Good. I mean, it's a Countach. A car's worth... The, the shittiest of Countach's is a $600,000 car. so Which is a little sad, knowing that I'll never, ever, ever no. be able to have one. Oh, how do you think I feel? It's literally my Probably like how I feel with not being able to own an M1 ever. You can own an M1. That's They're a half million dollars for a crappy one. That's still a lot more attainable. Okay, tell me again how <laughs> a $500,000 car is way more attainable than a $600,000 car. Well, by $100,000. That is not way more attainable. That's way more. It's a, it's a price of a house. Yes, but when you're in that sort of price range, it just doesn't make that big a difference. I'm sorry. So, all right. You're buying a new car. You want an STI. You can't afford an STI, so you buy a WRX. It's almost You the bought same. the better car. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. All right, regardless. FA20 is way better than an EJ. All right, whatever. Anyway, it's so, true. Okay. Anyway, DJs are terrible. That's the difference of seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That makes a real life difference. Yeah, but you bought the better car. Well, in all honesty, the one I'm probably just. Car, or sorry, the M1 is better than a Countach. Is that what well, you're saying? Yeah, but I don't oh. care about that. Is I'm, I'm saying most cars are better than a Countach. No, 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 David no, no, Lanos no, no, is probably no, no. better well, than a Countach as a car. Mm. As a car, as a work of art, Actually, the Countach is probably the best car. I'm going to see if there's any Daewoo's on Craigslist. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, the, the Countach is just a fantastic oh, no. work of art. Are there, are there none? None. Oh, that's in housing. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, good news I is been nobody's impressed. renting out a, Kun- or a uh, Daewoo Lanos. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> are we going to put a Daewoo in your uh, motorplex oh, garage? Dude, there's a new Bira for 1300 bucks. I should do the Lemons Rally in a Daewoo Nibira. Yes, you should. It's not even in that bad a shape. They're just not worth anything. They're okay, terrible, it's a pretty terrible, terrible vehicle. It's, a it's an automatic. Vehicle. No. Oh, that sounds atrocious. <laughs> oh, who? Okay. Um, Daewoo, did they make their own engines and stuff? I think like everybody else in Korea at that point in time, they just knocked off Mitsubishi. Oh, okay. 
That makes sense. Yeah, because I know Hyundai and Kia did, as we spoke on the first episode. But hmm. for, I just wouldn't be surprised. I'd be actually very surprised that they would actually made something. Yeah, I, I guess that one engine bay photo you showed me of the uh, Suzuki Reno. Suzuki Reno. Yeah. I think that was... Or it said D-Tech. Yeah, Daewoo but D-tech. it looked a lot like every engine that's ever been in, like, a Hyundai. So yeah, exactly. I'm probably... pretty sure it's just, like, the same plant, and they slap different names on it. Wow, I think <laughs> they probably are onto something there. And, yeah, that's the only Daewoo for sale. It's probably the only one left in the state, period. I don't want an automatic. <laughs> like that, and there's some, like, taxi cab driver that owns one that he got for, like, 150 bucks. <laughs> there's... But if you want a forklift, boy, I can hook you up with a Daewoo. <laughs> <clears throat> uh. Yeah, so those cars, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're terrible, but I really don't think they had that many mechanical oh, issues. Oh, no, they were, they were awful mechanical. They really? were notorious for everything breaking all the time. Like, there are some cars with notorious mechanical issues, but Daewoo's were especially awful. I'm going to have to look into the Lemons rules, because they kind of give you points based on the country your car is from. And, okay. like, I don't know if, where is Daewoo even based out of? Pacific they say, rim, they say South Korea, but I believe it's from North Korea. <laughs> Sorry, that was probably really loud, but I didn't know what was happening. I, I would be, I'd be, abs- I would be shook if it was from, <laughs> if it was actually from South Korea. I'd be shook to did so bad. Um, so yeah, no, they they like just oh, well, everything would break. It was like, it well, was like a, you did the D Tech break? I'm sure immediately. Oh, it probably worked once and broke. But no, the D-Tech just kicked in, yeah. Head gasket issues. So it's a Subaru. Yeah, and they would have rod bearing issues. Oh, so it's a BMW M car. Yeah, and then they would have, I think, rod bending issues under normal so load. So it's a 2.0 T. Yeah, and then they would have, I think, probably timing belt tensioner failures or this something. This is sounding like, like a TSI. No, an FSI. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's actually... Okay, maybe I don't want a day with that. Yeah, no, you, you don't. In fact, we should... Okay, all right, screw, should, screw the day with. Let's talk about garbage engines yeah engines that yes. were designed to be good people liked them when they came out and they're actually terrible Cadillac there's a, I, I have inf- okay yes <laughs> that is it's correct it that, was that a is really, that's really a good engine boy. on paper they were trying to compete with the 32 valve version of ford's modular so yeah they came out with the north star great engine and it was All dual alloy, red cam, dual red cam lots of power yeah. good torque band but what they did when they were prototyping this engine they had an aluminum block but they had steel thread inserts for the mm-hmm. head bolts yeah the last minute after all of the longevity testing had been done for the north star they just went ahead and drilled and tapped right into the aluminum ah! without doing any further investigation or work like, that's oh, this will be fine idea. and you know what that actually turned out to be quite a problem because people are idiots and they don't maintain cooling systems and if you get a north star hot an early one those head bolts just pull right out of the block i was thinking more of like lesser issues like on the 94 and 95 North Stars, they had the circuit board for the fuel injectors sitting in this, like, weird... And inside the intake manifold with the fuel injectors. And with the the fuel injector O-rings ever leak, they spray onto the top of... Like, up the wall and onto the circuit board. (laughs) And then just lock up the whole engine. Because everything shorts out. (laughs) I suppose it just jams them open and it floods. No, it'll either jam open or jam them all shut. Because it'll ground out. Oh, man. <laughs> I was talking about the physical I, engine itself. I, I, actually, I like the North Star engine. It, but. No, it, on paper, it's really cool. Like, it's just, in real life, it's not really cool. Well, it was cool for its time. That's just not true. It was. It was made at the same time as the Countach and the Diablo. Now it's a cool car. 
<laughs> I'm not talking about the car. I'm talking about the engine. The, well, Granted, I mean, it's no cooler than BMW's M60, which is in production like many years before that, and didn't have those problems. It had its own problems. Yeah, but I mean, there were. Um, <laughs> so, so it wasn't just like that. It was you have your Toyota M series. Oh. Um, do you, do you have any personal, personal experience with the 7M? Yeah, 7M. It's weird. It's like it was known to be reliable. It just blew up immediately. Because to, what Toyota did with that was um, they were I'm designing shocked. the M-Series engine. As, as the story goes, they were designing the new, the next generation, the M engine, to replace the 6M that was in the Toyota Soarer, which is like a, eventually became the Lexus SC cars. I was say, we 90s. definitely didn't get those. We did. We got them in the 90s. This is the Lexus SC 300 and okay. 430. But um, back in the 80s, at had a 6M, which is 3-liter, but it had two valves per cylinder. In 1984, super competitive because it was competing against, you know, like the... I've uh, seen the MotorWeek reviews. Yeah. Cars I mean, were making like 110 horsepower back Yeah, then. and that, it was like mind-blowing that you were making like 165. Yeah, but then you know Nissan came out with a better engine. Nissan came out with the Skyline. Everybody's coming up with better cars, and Toyota like were, they were developing the Seven M to be four valves per BMW's cylinder. BMW's two point five was making more power than that in eighty six. Yeah, but I mean like it just within like their home market though. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm talking. Uh, so they began to rush the Seven M to production, and unfortunately, when they rushed the Seven M to production, uh, they I guess did not finish stress testing like the head bolts. Which failed because they were improperly torqued by oh. Toyota specifications. That's pretty bad. They I mean, torqued. I've heard of head bolt issues because of like design faults and the no, head bolts. they were. You have like the first thing you do when you buy a seven M car that has the original head gasket is you pull off the valve covers, torque all the head bolts down to seventy five foot pounds, and put it all back together because <laughs> they're at like forty six from the factory. So if you just do that preventatively, it's fine. Yeah, you usually can get, you, instead of having them go out at like 60 to 100, they go out at like 140 to 170. That's more reasonable. Yeah, it's a little bit more reasonable. Still pretty I mean, you still, have, you still have a shit head gasket design, but I mean, there's that. Um, another engine. Uh, oh, there's a bunch. I've, I've just, as you've been talking, I've been thinking of this topic. Oh, what have you thought of? Because I got like, oh, I dude. got a ton. Well, I'll, I'll leave the Volkswagen <laughs> Auto Group ones to you because I know there's a bunch. Oh, and dude. I know you work with those every day. So I'll touch on yes. a few other ones. The BMW N20. The N20? Yeah. That's What's their that? two liter four cylinder turbo. They came out in like 2011 to replace their three liter in line. Oh, is six. that like from like the 320i or whatever? 320, 328, all the X3s, the X1s, the, the mini. Um, yeah. That's so those, I don't think I've ever seen one of those last more than 60,000 miles without shredding the timing chain in the oil pump. Oh, so it's a Volkswagen 2.0T. It is almost exactly the same. Yep. Oh my God. So they, it's it's unfortunately I think due to really long service intervals and too thin of oil because hey. those things are like fifteen thousand mile intervals and they run like zero W twenty in them. It's just not good. I I was telling Tony Stoy, the guy down at, that runs the MotorWorks service department. I'm like, I want to take two brand new four cylinder turbo BMWs. I want to run one by BMW's service book and I want to run one service book by me. Yeah. And I want to see how the mechanical failures of these two cars parallel. Because so I think there's actually nothing inherently wrong with the engine. It's just... It's just... It, it, stuff wears out when there's no more lubricity left. Because, yeah, it, it's the, the timing chain stretches out and it just lets go. Because yep. it, it's got zero W20 that's got 15,000 miles on it. And they yeah. get hot. I mean, 
from what I gather, it's it's in the heavier vehicles that it happens sooner because there's a lot more fuel that gets through the rings over time and that and gets into also, the oil. It's being more stressed. Right. Yeah. It's just getting hotter. So that's horrible, mainly because of you know how it's serviced, not necessarily how it's designed. The BMW V8s after 1998 and even before 93 to 95, they had a weird Basically cylinder coating. All of their V8s. I just wouldn't buy a V8. The yeah. 97, 98, you're more-ish okay-ish, but still don't buy one. Those are just all terrible, especially the new ones. Uh, the Porsche M96, so the engine that uh, quote-unquote replaced the Metzger, even though the Metzger continued the, the production. The M96 was the one in the Boxster. It's in the Boxster, the 911, the Cayman. So all the, it's a water-cooled engine. It's a water-cooled engine yeah. from 98 to 2012, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything that's not in a turbo or a GT3. Okay. Um, those have the dreaded IMS problem, the intermediate shaft bearing. Most engines have an intermediate shaft. All the ports, Porsche Metzger engines preceding it have it, but they just had two plane bearings, mm-hmm. just oil oil bearings in the engine, and it was fine. Uh, Porsche put a ball bearing on one side of, of the M96. I don't know why. Um, and people say it's notoriously prone to issue. Um, there have been a lot of failures, but there are also crap loads of those cars out there that don't have any problems so it's kind of like it's, it's, it's a problem but i don't think that's the problem the engine has um the early ones the rod bolts weren't torqued properly what? yeah the connecting rod bolts would that's actually stretch out if you re- routinely revved them to redline the rod bolts would stretch out they'd lose oil pressure and you'd throw a rod pretty common on a way, sports car way more that's common. known for correct revving within its design limits Oh my not God. even beyond its factory rev limit of 7,000 RPM. So I think that's the big issue that engine had, and it's only on the earlier ones, but I don't think the intermediate shaft bearing is a problem, which everyone else thinks it is. Beyond that, I would say the Mercedes, the uh, 663 motor, the 6.2 V8 and the AMG. Yeah. The first like half year of 2008, they made really crappy red bolts, or rod bolts that were too thin of heads, and they'd break <sighs> off. The heads would break off, and it would torch the head gaskets, and it would mix oil and coolant. You need new motor. Oh, my God. So if you ever see an 08, 663 AMG, no, not necessarily, but make sure that's been done. And if it hasn't, most people have been pretty successful with just replacing them one by one with the engine still in the car yeah. with the new design. It seems like it's okay. Uh, it's not really a good way to do this sort of thing, releasing torque and applying it to a used gasket's not great, but... That's a really big deal. Uh, that cooked a bunch of 63 motors back when it came out. So well, that's what I've got. Because they also had those, um, the balance shaft chains on the V6s that were in like the MLs, right? Yeah, the M112 and the 113. Yes, they also had ones. cylinder delamination and they had a lot of uh, harmonic balancer problems. Yeah, and then there's, um, I mean, Subarus had their share. The thing is, what what I will say about Subaru, though, is, yeah, they do have their share of just, like, horrible issues, but they actively try to fix it. Which, oh, yeah. That, they're, that's, they're a rolling production line th- there. This, this is actually, that's what's so huge. And when I, I recommend Subaru to a lot of people, mm-hmm. I say that. I say you will have head gasket problems, but you can rest assured that when you get your new head gasket, it will not have that issue. It won't fail the same way twice. No, it won't. Because, like, well... I mean, they kind of learned, because my Subaru, my 86 GL10, yeah. that had, I'm not even joking, an expected head gasket service interval of 40,000 miles. I'd say that's optimistic. Yeah, no, because my, mine blew up uh, 23,000 miles past its last inter- er, replacement. And when people say, like, 
a lot of people do like, oh, I'll put like an air cooler and like a WRX turbo and run at low boost. And they're like, you can get 5,000 miles out of a head gasket. And the people are, people that do that are like, oh, well, okay, that seems ridiculous. Well, one oil change later, <laughs> like literally their whole engine's blown up. Yeah. So th- that's an issue. Uh, and that's not, that, that isn't an EJ engine though. No, that's, that's a pre-EJ. That's, that's an EA82. People that, know the EJs pretty well. Yeah, the, so e, can... the EJs are pretty well taken care of. And then also with that EJ, EA82 engine, um, they had another really fun problem where the valves were too close together because it was a two-valve engine, and they would crack down the I center. I was going to say, did they crack? And, yeah, because they, the reason they did that is the uh, cylinder temperatures were too high because they just put a turbocharger on and didn't upgrade the fuel system. Or probably the cooling system. Or the cooling system at all. Wow, what could go wrong? I know, right? But what you can do with that is you just run 300 ZX fuel injectors, like Z31. Some more fuel coolant or what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The extra fuel, it puts you down from, I think, because um, you're at fuel Is it air. just a coincidence that you have to run fuel injectors from, like, your favorite Nissan? I know, right? In your Subaru I, I th- to I make think, it work properly? I think, I think it's funny <laughs> because um, I was about to buy a 300 ZX and I bought my Subaru and I've been regretting it every day, and now it's like laughing at me and saying, ha, 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 use these fuel injectors out of your favorite car, and you shouldn't have bought me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me die in peace. <laughs> Suck it, bitch. <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, okay. And then I think we should also talk about the elephant in the room for mechanical, this notorious be, mechanical issues. No veg motor. Um, the Volkswagen 2.0T. TSI or FSI? I don't care. Yeah, they're both really bad. They're both terrible. Are they better? No, they're not better than the three-liter V6, though. No, they're worse. Yeah, they are. They worse. are much okay, worse. We'll they, move on. The three-liter is say, the worst piece of apocalyptic shit that company ever made. That's not true because the 2OT did. Because well, the thing is, the three-liter was an optional engine. The 2OT comes in everything. Literally everything. Every one of their cars, I'm pretty sure, that's like a Passat or smaller, came with a 2OT. Yeah, well, I, I, that doesn't make it a better engine, though. No, I'm saying it's a worse engine. It's not. The 3-liter is the worst All Audi right. group engine. Let, let me explain everything that happens with this engine. All right, start start with the FSI, then. Uh, so that's a tiny belt one, right? Yeah, yeah. the BPY. With so the, B, the BPY has the cam follower issues, where yep. the is a normal fuel pump and has a mechanical fuel pump, mm-hmm. and that, that mechanical That's fuel driven pump off the camshaft. Yeah, is rides on a lobe in the camshaft, and it'll shear like off. A little I, bucket I actually, on Friday, just pressed out a camshaft on somebody. Oh, why is that? Because they had a FSI. Oh, weird. Did they not replace their follower and it ground the fuel pump into the cam lobe? Uh, yep. Interesting. Yeah. Never heard of that. The happening. thing is, there's two ways that can fail. It can fail in a way where it just breaks the fuel pump and then you can hear it make noise okay and then there's a silent killer where it'll just have weird shift points and you pull off the fuel oh, so you can actually like the drivability changes of the car when this yes. is happening yeah oh. because you now have a like one third the fuel pressure that you otherwise would oh, okay so it'll actually like mess with the shift points hmm. well then when you pull off the uh mechanical fuel pump you'll see yeah. that the lobe has ground itself apart oh and so it'll be running fine, but now you got metal shavings. Do people actually put camshafts in these crap engines? Uh, once in a blue moon, yeah. Um, okay. I hope not very often. But so, so that 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 happens. So well, that, I've that's, heard of the the followers. Is there anything else yeah. on the FSI? Um, intake manifolds to a degree. 
Um, just going up with bulk grab? From yeah, BI? well, the okay. thing is, they have those little flaps in the intake. Yeah, yep. But those are so close to where the direct fuel injector is that it gums them up with carbon. And then of the and, and then the little electric motor jams itself up. It's electrically actuated? Yeah. It Whoa. jams itself up, and okay. it can't do anything. I think it's electric. But the, the, the little, the little flat, yeah, yeah, the little flap jams about. itself up. Usually and, they're vacuum actuated on all yeah, the it's, stuff. I think it's, it's your electric, or it might be actually vacuum. Um, I haven't seen many <laughs> FSIs come through. I don't blame you for not wanting to look at one. Most of them that come through are TSIs, because they put a timing oh. chain in it. Because they're like, oh, timing chain, it's going to be more reliable. They managed to make it worse. Because the, the, the only the, thing I know about the TSI is the first couple of years they made pistons that were too small for the boyers and they just went ahead oh, and made them <laughs> like i know that dealers for sure i'm sure you guys were yeah too. no we, we get one we get one audi per week that has piston ring and they're tire. outside of warranty so audi won't give you pistons for nope. it nope they won't so you have to rebuild your engine that's unbelievable um, tsis are such piles of crap. while i'm talking i want you to look up just look up volkswagen 2.0 t rear main seal Oh no! These blow out, don't they? Yeah, because they have a oil separator that gets uh, yep. jammed up from a from in not having a properly sized blow off or diverter valve okay. on the intake, and it'll actually jam up the oil separator. When that oil separator gets jammed in the position, which is basically the PCV valve. So this is TSI only. It's TSI and FSI, but TSI most most commonly. Because the FSI's before these break will have other major issues that sure. some people. I'm not even joking. That's <laughs> yep, actually there it is. Rear main sailor. Do you see that? Do the PCV. <laughs> do you see how? Do you see how like chintzy that is? Look at an image of the rear main. Oh, that's the first thing. It I is. It's about. Oh, dude, that's a, super thin. It's about two millimeter like tinfoil sleeve with a little piece of rubber that's glued into position. I mean, it doesn't look. Oh yeah, that actually does look. Wow, that's a lot worse than a BMW seal. It's really bad. So and how, how small? I'm guessing the actual uh, bolt circle of the crankshaft is tiny too, yeah. isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's really small. So, so it's like a front seal on most things. Basically, yeah. It's just it's basically a front seal in the back. Great. And, but um, what could go wrong? Oh shoot, sorry. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, those do break. Um, and uh, when those break, they will take out the entire um, engine with them because they'll run really low on oil really really fast interesting yeah weird that a seal keeps all the engine oil exactly in, fails but, and all the engine oil leaves yeah you know, i'm talking like exxon valdez like one quart per tank of gas leaking gross yeah so that's huge then you have uh your timing chain failure of course yeah um but is that is that due to a design fault or is that like the bmw n20 that would be uh volkswagen's uh garbage um levers that they use and their their guides for oh, the timing oh, chain sure they're all plastic and yep. when they you know get to wear down the timing chain flaps around well the plastic guide isn't the the issue i think it's the width of the chain and the width of the guide no the I, I, I think it's actually it, I, I'm most not sure. guides are plastic no i mean like the whole the, no not are they all because I, know, I mean if it's wearing into metal that's a big problem well because no because i mean like even where the bolts are and everything but the, the way that they that they wear you're not just talking the friction stuff that wears on the, the actual rails you're talking something else no like the actual because what, what happens is that the timing chain will begin to stretch yeah because like the n20 but, well and that that'll have i'm yeah so that i'm happens. guessing it's the same thing as the bmw motor yeah it basically is but then they also have on the water pump the water pump isn't directly mounted to the where the rest of the timing gear is 
There's a jack driven, shaft. Is that driven off the chain? Yeah, there's a jack shaft driven off the chain. Whoa, whoa, wait. Okay, so the water pump on a TSI is driven off of the timing chain. Yes, and the but the water pump is designed, it's separate from it. So there's a jack shaft that goes from the timing chain that goes to the water pump. And that jack shaft has these little screens in them that that they block up. Uh, um, look it up. Uh, no, no, I won't. I won't be doing that. <laughs> so I've I've only seen one TSI taken apart. It was piss jugs when it was getting rebuilt, uh, and it's got like a little belt on the side of it, like inboard. What does that drive? Is that driving is, a that, pressure is, pump? Was that TSI or FSI? It was a TSI. TSI. It has this like little grooved tooth belt that's probably like five inches, and mm-hmm. it sits like just by the number one cylinder on the intake side. Underneath. One cylinder intake side underneath. I, no, it's not the, that is not the water pump, because the water pump is separate. I'm not sure what that is, actually. It could be... I'm not sure. I'm going to Google it. You keep talking. But anyway, so the water pumps, uh, they have this jack shaft, and if the engine's, like, overheated at all or starved of any oil, it'll melt the plastic tube around the jack shaft and seize the jack shaft into place, God. shear off the teeth on the cam on it, and then... That will blow up the whole engine. It also send metal shavings right up into... Well, those are good for the engine, right? Yeah, those are great. Sends metal shavings up into the cylinder head, takes out the cylinder head. So we had a guy that had every single one of these issues happen on his T1. <laughs> Luckily, he had the of one... Of course, it's a T1. He had, he had the one aftermarket warranty that actually like did something so like he's luckily to I pay... I can't like, believe any aftermarket warranty company would even touch a 2.0 T anymore. We've done... $20,000 worth of repairs to this car. Oh, my God. Like, it's just insane how many things have been going wrong. Eventually, we just got to a point where like, we just took the whole engine out. The, okay, so that jack shaft is driven from one chain from the crank, and then it has another chain on it that drives the cam? Yes. It's not one chain. No, there's, you have the cam chain, and then you have the... Okay, what is, what is their fixation with using way too many timing chains? I have no idea, but they're all just as garbage. Because um, I'm looking at this right now. So this is just the timing chain issue. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> um, Billy Mays here with no, the TSI from Volkswagen. You have your fuel you have your fuel injector issues that clog up all the time. You have your ignition coil issues, which might be the worst coils known to man. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, that it's just like it's an like every component of the car of that engine. Has an issue with it. I just feel like it was all budget engineered somewhere else. I, you know what I think it is? What? And th- this is honestly what... It would make sense with Volkswagen as we know it. I think they did it on purpose. Oh, just to keep cars in the shop or keeping their dealers up or what? To get people to buy more cars or service them. Because that seems like the gross, sleazy thing that Volkswagen would do. Because as much as I love old Volkswagen... like. With Dieselgate and just, like, their rust war- recalls they've been having to do, like, that seems like something it would do. I think it has to do with their cafe and carbon credits because you factor, like, oil changes. Yeah. You factor the oil into its carbon footprint. Um, and if you stretch out oil changes, that would make especially sense. within the warranty period and where they don't they, care. They have that. That's It's a 10K oil change interval. Exactly. And that also is. is on our part of the issue. Because that does significant damage to these engines, which aren't engineered to take that kind of no. oil change interval. The engineers probably designed that thing with a 7,000-mile oil change interval. Well, the, the thing is, is that oil probably can take it, yeah. But the filter can't. 
Because, yeah, there's oils out there that can go a million miles, you know, like they, like they claim. They yeah. claim that. But I don't. I don't. I do Blackstone in every car, every time. But yeah. it's still, when, it, they, when I do a 10,000-mile change on the Fiat and they tell me to go further, I'm like, eh, Yeah, I don't know about that. Eh, they I'm say not, it's not fine, it. but I just don't know. I'm not going to do that. Especially, but see, that's know. the thing. It's like, it, it's a filter. I think that's going to be the limiting factor. But that could ov- be, overall, if it's particulate the, stuff. The thing is, the, the engine itself is just... It's, not, it's a terrible not, engine. It's not going to ever take a 10K oil change. No. And even with a, with a 5K, you're be having big Isn't issues. Isn't that a type of run? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. Just making sure. It looks like Corey's feeling better over there. Yeah, no, he's got his leg back on. It's a good thing. Um... But yeah, no. So yeah, you have your cars that have your major issues yeah. on them. They're just ridiculous. Like this whole two OT is just a bane of my existence. I've had nightmares of this engine. I, I feel bad for people buying. Um. <laughs> I kind of do, but they're also buying an Audi or Volkswagen. So, so they kind of they they're... know that they know that they're just getting in. They're just masochists. Yeah. Um, Clearly, they know they're making a bad decision. But yeah, you know what. Yeah, let's, let's segue again with the uh, UE. Okay, thank off God of this. it's with the UE. And let's talk about um, cars that have like more overblown issues. Because like, a lot of people hear about these like horrible issues that aren't a big deal. I'm thinking crank lock on DSMs. Sure. Like the 4G63 uh, 7 volt, like everybody's like, oh, you're going to crank what's, lock on it. What's the 7 volt in? Is that a first it's gen, a second gen? Second generation. The, the Paul Walker Fast and Furious one. It's like a GST? Uh, G. T, G, yeah, GST, GST, GSI. Well, the GST, GSX were just a trim level. It's like the one that, the really well, round, the, pretty well, one. It was like RSGS, and then GST was turbo, and then GSX was turbo. Everything that had the 4G63 in it. So, yeah, right, but the just, GS, I'm wondering which ones GST, GSX, and I think the GS to a lesser extent, but that was not forced induction. Right. But, like, even then, it's, like, not, not that big of a deal. Because, like, that happens, it, it's just, the, it's overhyped because it's such a ridiculous problem. Right. What happens is the thrust washer on the crankshaft uh, wears out and the crankshaft will move from side to side while it's running which you can only imagine what the damage it would do i'm surprised that the oiling film didn't take care of that i mean i can see like forward backward and that's probably that's probably what happened okay. but the thing is it's not oh yeah it is forward backward i think but okay. it's still you know it's it moves around sure but that's like again not that big of an issue because right. i really haven't heard much about that i mean I, other than like I've, a couple of memes that propagated 10 15 I've years ago personally seen two in my life i've ever had that okay so it's like a porsche ims failure it's, really doesn't actually happen all that often no it's just like it's something you hear about right the so, people that it happened to are really noisy yeah but it, it doesn't actually happen to them that, that's it's, it's exactly oh, that. so it's like a subaru head gasket failure which I am, I'll admit to being the proponent of people that say, oh, you bought a Subaru, it's going to have a head gasket. Well, there. I mean, you will. But you will. The newer ones, we don't know yet. 09 Plus. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't really seen much Really doesn't one. seem to be as big an issue. I, I think it's, it's less of a design issue with a head gasket now. I think they've fixed the cooling system, yeah. the oiling system, the cylinder head design. I think what's really happening now is the, the factory tunes on those computers, especially in the turbo cars, they're just smashing the shit out of the pistons. And there's so much force on the ringlands and the, the tops of the floating decks that that's what's doing it still. But I think if you bought even a, a more modern EJ or for sure an FA vehicle and you had it you'll, tuned... You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I mean, it's really not... Because, well, the whole issue was originally they had a head gasket that was designed... Back in the seventies, it was yeah, a that, single that layer. That dictates from like, the uh, the torque sequence. Yeah, and which is the most asinine thing I've ever seen in the automotive <laughs> world. Oh my word! 
But yeah, it, it's it's a series of, of little things like that. But realistically, the newer ones, you, you don't see it that much. No. Like, it it's, might happen. And even if it does, it's be like a little bit of like an oil drip. Like, you'll live. It's no more likely to happen on that vehicle than it is on any other modern engine. Yeah. Now. Exactly. But back pre... I, I still firmly believe pre-09, you're pretty susceptible to head gasket problems. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I can't think of that many other really modern ones, but like BMW which is my mm-hmm. wheelhouse. There's a lot of stuff from the early 2000s, like uh, rod bearings in their S54. They're in line six. Yeah. They figured out uh, right when they shipped that thing, they're like, 5W30s, cool. And then they're like, oh, wait, this thing revs to 8,300 RPM, and that is just smashing rod bearings to pieces. So you need... So they immediately oil. updated the rod bearings and swapped to 10W60, which is quite an oil viscosity change, which is what it should have always wait, had. you said 1060? Yeah, they went from 530 to 1060. All M engines after 1999 require oh 1060. Yeah, I get to deal with that, too. It's fun. Thank goodness Who? I'm a Liquid Molly wholesaler. I was just saying, like, Liquid Molly would have that. Yeah, Castrol TWS is the original manufacturer of it. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, an E46 M3, what that was based on. They had rear subframe cracking issues, but it really wasn't a big deal. I mean, it affects a very small number of cars that are really, really mistreated generally. And even the rod bearings. I mean, especially after, like, 2002 and a half where they had the new oil standard and the new rod bearings were in there. Really, it doesn't happen unless you are constantly burying that thing in the rev limiter or just living above 7,000 RPM for a long period of time. Yeah. Racing an engine with cold oil, running too long intervals. You can beat the crap out of an S54 with stock bearings in it, and you're never going to have a problem as long as you, you know, wait until the oil's hot, you change your oil, yeah, and you you know drive it at least somewhat reasonably. So I don't really think that's a problem. You know, actually, one that actually is a real problem I want to talk about, I what? just remembered, uh, the Subaru SVX. Oh. Do you remember those? Yeah, of course. The Easy automatic transmissions oh, just explode because no. well they used uh, it was a three. Was that a CVT? No, it, it oh. was it was a three. And then the CVT was in the adjusting. That's a just fine and dandy. Oh. Um, no, the uh, <laughs> the is the the three EAT okay. engine or no sorry transmission. It was a derivative it. of the same transmission that's in my Subaru GL10. Oh god. Which that that transmission had enough problems with a hundred horsepower, much less. And that was screwed to the three liter V six or H six. Yeah, it? so yeah, okay. what's what's having a transmission was designed for a one point six liter flat four and put it with a three liter H six. So obviously, I had a couple issues. <laughs> you don't say. Shockingly, interesting. But, um, okay. Conveniently, because Subaru is Subaru and they're just fucking great, uh, they parts in their Lego kits uh, Outback automatic transmissions for the H six Outbacks and Legacies. Yeah, bore it right up. Yeah, that'll be an addition. Yeah, like the LLB okay, addition that, ones. That, okay, that's actually an issue that's a real problem. Yeah, I just I, I was okay. going to bring that up earlier, and I, I just completely that's for the first forgot topic. about that. I was yeah. going to say, that's a little different. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I can really think of is like the W126. The, when they, they had the 300 SDL forever. The yeah, 300 yeah, yeah. Turbo sold. Yeah. They had a 350 for a while, bigger displacement. Yeah. Notoriously, like, people tell you to just never, ever buy one because they have cylinder heads that just cannot. It's like the 7M. Yeah. It just like it was one casting right at the beginning that was terrible. It's all fixed now. You find one that's still running, it's never going to give you a problem. But okay, like, yeah. the values on a 350 SDL are like half what they are for a 300 SDL. That's funny. And they're like really <laughs> late cars too, so they just didn't make that many. That thing was a total flop, but it's a really good car. So there's just there's tons of stuff like I that think, out there where um, issues are just so overblown. Wasn't there a R107? trim that had that ish that actually now that you mention it yeah r107 and w126 the 380 
The 380, that's what I was thinking. Early... Is that an actual problem or a fake problem? Um, kind of a little bit of both. So the 380 is an M116. It's a derivative of the 117 V8, but it's, yeah, it's a little bit it's smaller. It's like a small block. Yeah. yeah. And the issue mainly with those was they went from a duplex timing chain to a single row timing chain. Okay. And they fail prematurely. Um, but what's prematurely from Mercedes? Like, well, it's 800, 800, by modern miles. engine standards, it's yeah, it's like 60, 80, 120,000, something like that. You need to, like, the chain will just snap. But, like, that's a pretty good run for a, it's a one piece chain for a V8 that goes all the way up over both single overhead cams. I'm not, I'm not mad about that. And, like, I honestly think it was probably neglect most of the time. Again, coming back to, like, the TSI and the N20. So, yes, they are. The M116 was known for timing chain problems, especially on the 380. But yeah. it's not a problem. I think that's overblown. But the V8s maintain the, the bigger V8s, the 117s maintain the duplex chain. Blubsky, 89 motor, yep. duplex chain, perfect. No yeah. problem. So it, it was that one, but I mean, that whole one, you know, I hear people worrying about, oh, the whole timing chains are going to break. No, they're not. If it's not like rattling significantly now, yeah. you're probably okay. Exactly. So, so yeah, no, the, that's, that's kind of the thing is, you know, it, there's a lot of engines in the world where they, they're great engines and people just make up crap about them where it's like yep. they heard about happening once. Or something that launches with a, an issue that gets a lot of people that gets noisy fixed and then it's fixed immediately and then nobody knows that it's fixed. Yeah. I think no, that's a lot of what happens. So something that has an issue early on in its existence. It's, it's like with like, like video games. Like you get a video game where it has major issues and then you, they fix it, but the damage is done to the car, you know? No, I don't know. I don't. I don't game. Well, no. I mean, it's Unless like you're talking about Diablo too. No, well, I play so much Diablo. Yeah. Too. So, but it, it's like the same concept where it's like it, you have an issue at first. I don't like your metaphor. Oh my god! Of course you don't like my metaphor. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, it's one of those things. I didn't where like it in the 1940s Germany, and I don't like it now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking, it, really, what what companies need to do when they have these issues is publicize the hell that they fixed the issue. I agree. That, that's, like acknowledge that you had one, tell people what it was, and say that it's fixed. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing like wrong with that. Like the Focus RS head gasket. Like, oh, yeah, sorry. For, like, four days when we were making these engines in the factory, we put the EcoBoost Mustang head gasket on it. That's why they broke. Yeah. Yep, we fucked up. Yep, we fixed it. Yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah. Go buy the car. Exactly. They're still fine and dandy cars. They're good cars, yeah. Yes, they are. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's other, like, actual issues, like... You brought up the Tesla that had the A pillar. Oh, that, that's okay. That's not actually an issue with Tesla. Yeah. No, that was just that one car. Because I was going to say, te- Tesla, like, they. I was going to say, Mark's car has been great. Um, yeah. But no, I, I've fantastic. heard, you know, mumblings just, you know, being online in the areas that I am during the week, like, uh, especially with the Model 3, the advent of that. Like, people are saying that the quality control of the factories is not super great. They're letting some cars through that aren't uh, necessarily fully complete or have some issues. And I actually just found this before we started recording, so I figured I'd sneak it in at the end here. Um, I found this on the drive, and it was a, a, a brand-new Tesla P90D Model S that was yeah. delivered with an enormous, enormous separation gash in the A-pillar. Like, the metal of the A-pillar was split like the Red Sea. Y- you showed me a picture of that, and yeah, I know, it looked like somebody had hit it with a hatchet. Yeah, pretty much. And what you don't see is if you peel away the cowl, where it actually goes down further into the car, it gets up to two and a half inches at the end. So the wait, photo wait, that wait, they show you wide. Yeah, it's two and yeah. Like that's like a gaping hole. Exactly. Like it's significant and probably a safety issue, but yeah, no, definitely. Where it's actually visible in the photo, right by the uh, A pillar on the passenger side. 
Pardon me, where it reads uh, the windshield hits basically the windshield wiper. It, yeah. It, so I, I'm that probably. I wonder you if you can it, see I the foam was, inside. I wonder if it was just like a tiny crack and they like it separated during shipping. No, no, oh. the foam is painted. Ooh. So this happened earlier in the production process, like before the paint shop, before assembly. Like the person who installed the plastic cowl in this car didn't see that somehow. Well, they probably have a robot. Oh, good point. Yeah. But to Mo- be honest, everyone that works in a car factory is probably a robot anyway. Yeah, so they're, they're probably just... So I guess the person that's to but blame still. here, there's a quality control manager Yeah, and that just isn't doing his job. Well, I, oh my you know, God, this what is I my third say, time I've hit this thing. Well, that's <laughs> the consequence of having to be closer to it, so at least you're doing better with that. But I think somebody probably did notice this, and they shipped it, and they just would like to deal with it after the fact because they want to ship the unit. I guess because they're having serious production issue, you know, just with volume with the Model Three coming out too. So I think they're all made on the same assembly line, the threes and the S's. They're all they're all made in the Gigafactory. I think so. Uh, No, the Gigafactory is batteries. These are made. Oh, it's just uh, batteries. Yeah, these are made somewhere else. I think in California. Oh, okay. But anyway, I I think that they probably saw that and they're just like, "Mm, I really we'll come back later when we have time. I want that to not actually be an issue i want there to be some like extenuating circumstances that cause that i would like to tell you that that's likely but the painted foam kind of is the nail in that uh, coffin yeah well it depends <laughs> on when they put the foam in though i guess uh the foam is injected into it after stamping ah that's bad <laughs> yeah that's, that's a pretty really that's a pretty bad. early process so. yeah, that's bad <laughs> okay so yeah. uh yeah tesla and again i don't think that that's i mean that's obviously not a common occurrence and that could happen to any metal flaw i mean it's probably a bigger issue with their metal supplier i'm wondering you know yeah probably it's probably that um just hey american steel stamping <laughs> yeah right oh nice well, american it, car bro there was that adr or avr what was that what's that video that can ave ave where they the Chinese found like the most steel bolt. Yeah, the Chinese bolt like Chinese outperformed bolt. all yep. the Americans. <laughs> so there you go. Our top tip of the day is buy Chinese. Buy Chinese steel, and uh, on that bombshell. Well, do you wonder why Chinese steel is so good? It's because I scrap all these German cars. Yeah, exactly. So Chinese yeah. steel is actually 1980s German steel. And that that's and everybody knows it. German, I, I think German I'm metal. on to something here. German metal is the best metal. It is. Yes. And now German metal is Chinese metal because it's true. It's, me there you all go. these E30s. So on that bombshell. Yeah, that's all I got unless you got something else for I this think, episode. I think, I think I'm good. Okay. And uh, we can leave on that note. Everybody should buy a FAW or a... Oh, actually, one more thing. Oh. Patreon. Yes. I just want to plug it at the end. Yes, Patreon. Certainly don't have to. Uh, go on Patreon and just search Motor Cult, no space, M-O-T-O-R-C-U-L-T. We have uh, to pay for Corey's medical bills. We do have to pay for Corey's medical bills, and uh, <laughs> there's a fairly significant investment in the mixer and all the audio recording hardware. So if you want to buy us a beer or help uh, contribute to the equipment, we would or highly appreciate it. Or help Corey put his leg back on. I don't really care about Corey, actually. I just decided. <laughs> um, but the the super huge $5 a month uh echelon gives you the opportunity to uh, give us a topic also for the next week so keep that in mind certainly no obligation we'll keep making it either way but just letting you know it's there um thanks as always for listening and we will catch you again next time thank you see you later yep thanks